Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following. Does the Jeremy Kyle show demonise the poor? Which of these current political party leaders has been the most influential? And which of these messaging applications do you primarily use? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked you to send us political or current affair questions that you've always wanted to ask Callum and myself. And I just wanted to say why we asked you to do this. So Callum and I um, have been on Wizard Radio for nearly two years now. And in that time, we have discussed and debated, I think, nearly everything. Um, when we started this, this new show, we wanted to ensure we involved our listeners a lot more. So we want to take this opportunity to find out what you have always wanted to ask us and how much I'm regretting it now. Um, about, <laughs> about a political or current affairs topic. And I can say, um, you guys honestly haven't disappointed in the questions that you've been, uh, giving to us. But our first question comes in from Michaela and she says, when the conservatives get voted out at the next general election, what do you think they will need to do to repair their reputation? Callum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's quite a presumption, Layla. Uh, Michaela, sorry. Um, and, and I mean, I mean, the polls suggest that that will certainly be the case, but obviously we can't say for certain. 
Um, but just to take the question kind of at face value to what they can do to repair uh, their reputation, um, I think it's a, it's a really, really difficult one. And I think it, it highlights the kind of state of our politics now, um, how difficult it will be for Conservatives to recover, because on the one hand, you could say they should go for a candidate that, um, or, or a leader that uh, was pro-Brexit, um, is pro-possibly a no-deal Brexit, or at least a harder version of Brexit than what Theresa May has negotiated, uh, and they should try and kind of shore up the, the votes they've lost to the Brexit party. However, by doing that, they potentially risk alienating a lot of their more moderate MPs, their moderate-minded members, who might then abandon them en masse, um, kind of the other way, um, to the Liberal Democrats, Change UK, or, or maybe if the, another centrist party comes along, there could even be a, a, a breakaway within the Conservative Party, I think. Uh, if they go that way. And of course, if, if they went the other way and got in a moderate, then we'd have the same thing, but with Brexit-minded MPs, kind of similar to what we're seeing right now. Although if they went more moderate than Theresa May, we'd probably see that worse. So, so I think in terms of repairing their reputation amongst the people that voted for them in, in 2010 and 2015, uh, and 2017 as well, um, I think that it's a really, really difficult thing to, to actually do to repair their reputation. I mean, George, obviously you're a Conservative Party member, so so where do you stand on this? Um, I, I firstly think, uh, Michaela, personally, I don't think they will be wiped out in the next general election. I think the EU elections are completely different, and yeah, we, we are polling absolutely appallingly, but I think that's um, going to happen. Um, but in the general election polls, we're kind of hovering around quite equal polling results as um, the Labour Party and I think any given general election we would see a hung parliament and I mean if the Brexit Party stand they're currently polling on about 19% um, for a general yeah. election so I, I think you might even see a depending on who the next leader is you might even see a coalition with the Conservatives and the Brexit Party. Although just to say I mean most of the polls then suggest that they're only unfortunate well I say fortunately in my opinion but unfortunately because it shows how rubbish our voting system is they're probably only going to get between one and seven MPs, even with 19% of the vote, yeah, is what the kind of modelling is showing at the moment. Mm. Um, but but even still, it's still seven MPs that might be able to back up the Conservative Party. Yeah, I mean, I suppose DUP have done kind of similar, haven't they? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but look, I, I think you're absolutely right in saying that the, the Conservative Party is an absolutely is in a crisis right now. We are currently um, fighting an infield um, a civil war practically between the Brexiteer MPs and the the MPs that are backing the withdrawal agreement and backing the Prime Minister. Um, in recent days we have seen that the prime minister will eventually uh, be going she's going to set out her timetable for leaving and what happens with the leadership bids um and how long that will take um but i i think we need to as a as a party we need to move forward and for myself i would quite like to see us stay where we are potentially even go more um to, to, towards the center um i think having a harsh brexiteer in um as prime minister it might solve a small problem but it's not going to solve anything long term and i think that's what we got to look we've got to look at now i don't think we can kind of guarantee that we're going to gain anything in the short term um 
and we've got to look at the long term to see how we can do there. Um, I, I do think that it's it's quite a scary thing that so many we see so many people supporting really harsh Brexiteers like Boris Johnson because I believe that they would destroy the Conservative Party, and I can guarantee you that there would be, as Callum rightly said, um, there would be a split from MPs because the Brexiteers and the Conservative Party aren't actually that many compared to those that don't want um, a no-deal Brexit. There's a lot of people in the uh, MPs in the, in the Conservative Party that don't want a no-deal Brexit. And also, I think the way that we can um, repair our reputation is get away from Brexit. I think if, if Brexit was never a thing, I think Theresa May would have actually been a fantastic prime minister. Well, I think she has been, but I think she would have gone down even better in history than she, she has. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that we've, um, we've really got to just try and slowly get away from the whole Brexit idea and, and really push through that the Conservative Party is not just about Brexit. We're about so much more than that. Theresa May going down in history. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit late in the evening, George, for such jokes, I would think. <laughs> I think she's going to go down in history. I'm going to write a history book about her. <laughs> right. Anyway, moving on to our next uh, question. It's from Joshua to George. Uh, he said, <laughs> I've listened to you and Callum for a while now, so I think I've gotten to know you quite well. What I don't understand is how, knowing what UKIP represented and the racist undertones of the party, why were you a Brexit a UKIP supporter? Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's <clears throat> excuse me. Well, firstly, um, Joshua, I would just like to say thank you for listening to our show all this time. It's uh, very kind of you, and I'm very yes. glad we haven't we haven't bored you yet. Um, well, I, I think when I when I was younger, when I joined UKIP, it was. Um, a time where I was quite um, new to politics. I was new to the scene. I didn't maybe particularly understand fully what was going on. And my main um, goal when I got first got into politics was to come out of the EU. And it was it, I was very, very passionate about it. And to me, UKIP was the only party that was putting the pressure on the government to ensure that that happened. And just because I was part of the party, um, that might have had some candidates that did have racist tones. Um, that doesn't mean that I had to agree with what they were saying and everything. And and I must admit, I I don't think we can compare UKIP to the party it is today. Um, you know, five six years ago, it was nothing of what it is today. Um, I mean, I'm not denying that there was um, racist undertones throughout the party, but just because they were there doesn't mean I believed in them. I was I was there solely, really and truly for um, to get to get out of uh, out of the EU. But I, I can see where you're coming from. But I, I promise you, I never, ever um, was in line with the, the views of some of the extreme, extreme people within the party at all. Um, it wasn't wasn't something I agree with. Um, but because we you were you were never particularly happy that I was a member of, the, the, of UKIP, were you, Callum? Uh, no, I mean, I don't think many people were. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep it very much a secret when I uh, say anything. I mean, in the uh, Conservative Party, I keep it very hush-hush. No one really knows. <laughs> uh, I mean, what what better way to keep it hush-hush than to broadcast it on, on radio? <laughs> well, hopefully no one will listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joshua obviously is. Yeah, exactly. See, yeah. yeah, it's very true. Um, right. OK, so let's move on to our next question. And it's from Zach. And he says, do you think Brexit will ever happen? Callum. 
Oh, that's a very, that's actually a surprisingly difficult question. Um, I think it will happen eventually. Um, uh, but because, but I think in, in a sense, the, the, I mean, there's, there's two ways that I think it's most likely to happen. So first would be through a general election. If it, if a general election managed to secure a majority for either of the two main Brexity parties, so Labour and uh, the Conservatives, if it manages to uh, deliver them with quite a strong majority, I think they'd probably have enough uh, to kind of get some kind of deal through. Uh, but they run the risk, it, it, in terms of a general election, the risk with that is whether or not the EU would be willing to uh, extend the negotiating period for much longer than what realistically um, they they've been willing to in the past, or at least what what France have been willing to in the past. I think the other scenario in which Brexit does happen is through a uh, confirmatory vote or second referendum, if you want to call it that. Um, I because I I think if a second referendum happened and it was the deal versus remain or or no deal versus remain or maybe a, a preferential vote with those three, I think there is a chance that Brexit could pass through that. Um, and I think with regards to that, that's far more likely um, to almost be agreed by the European Union because it wouldn't require. Um, because we've already got a deal at the moment, it it wouldn't actually require um, a complete renegotiation. It might require a, another, if we kind of got our bumming gear and started to uh, started to organise a second referendum tomorrow, say, um, we, we could probably only need a, a month or two as extra extension to be able to have one as such. But I think realistically, there's, there's no signs that parliamentary uh, deadlock's going to be broken. Um, but I suppose we'll see with the votes that are coming up. I mean, what do you think, George? Will Brexit happen? Well, I think it, it's... Um, unfortunately, Brexit now has so many different terminologies. If you ask one person, they would say yes. And if you ask another, asked another, they would say no. Because so many people now have different versions of Brexit and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, I think it's it's going to be... Yeah, I do think eventually it will happen. I couldn't tell you when it will happen. And I don't think it's going to be a Brexit that everyone voted for. I do think it's going to be a massive compromise. But but I think if you look on the positive side of that, those who did vote leave, um, I think... Just, we just need to get over this first hurdle and we will see how it goes from there. But, um, uh, yeah, it will happen. But um, in what way? I don't know. We will, I think it's going to be interesting to see how these European elections go. Um, and in my humble opinion, I think the European elections are essentially going to be like a second referendum. Um, and we can take and read a lot from what the European elections are going to be are going to be like. Um, right, it's uh, it's now time for a short break. We'll be back very soon. Welcome back. So uh, remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. Right then, time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we are asking, does the Jeremy Kyle show demonise the poor? 
So the Der- Jeremy Kyle show has been permanently cancelled following the death of a guest, as MPs have also announced an inquiry into all reality TV. The confrontational talk show was suspended indefinitely by the broadcaster after a participant, 63-year-old Steve Diamond, was found dead a week after the programme was filmed. So the cancellation of the show has led to many questions about reality TV in general, but also a kind of overarching question around the Jeremy Kyle show in the, the very confrontational and antagonistic way in which Jeremy Kyle dealt with his guests, who were usually from uh, lower socio-economic backgrounds, has led to accusations that the show should have been cancelled much earlier than this because it effectively demonises the poor. George, where do you stand on this? Do you think the Jeremy Kyle show did uh, demonise the poor? Um... I, I firstly um, want to say um, utmost sympathies to, to uh, Steve Diamond's family and all his friends. Um, you know, I don't think any pressure or anything like that should be ever put on that much um, onto someone. And it's very sad that this has happened. Um, but I think Jeremy Kyle is one of those shows where I've grown up with Jeremy Kyle um, being on the TV. I've never known it not being on the TV. Um, and... I think when you're younger or when you don't really think about it, it's good entertainment and you, you realize, um, you don't realize what is kind of truly going on. And I think sometimes you actually forget that it is real life. Um, because I think some of the stories that happen on there are sometimes so, um, different that you, it's, it's sometimes hard to believe that they're actually truthful. Um, but, they are and you know this is a re- reality tv program um but i i do think that it is a tv show that does not necessarily demonize the poor but it definitely stereotypes the poor and it definitely um doesn't do that um social group any favors um and i and i but do i think jeremy kyle the jeremy kyle show is is solely to blame for that i don't know because you know these people it's not like they're being made to go on these shows they don't they don't get paid to go on these shows they volunteer to go on these shows um and they choose to to go on these shows and it's not like they they don't know what what they're going to be hit with um i mean everyone's seen what jeremy kyle's like and he is a very (laughs) quite a a loud shouty man um but you know i i don't i think there are definitely problems in the way that they he speaks to the people and his guests that go on the show um but obviously it's for that entertainment aspect and it but I think we've got to we've now got to the stage where we've got to weigh up how far do you go for entertainment when it can risk the safety um, and the lives of your guests that are going on that show. But what do you think is do you think Jeremy Kyle's the Jeremy Kyle show is truly demonizing the poor? Um, I think it's it's difficult to say that it doesn't. Because yeah. I think if, as you say, with Jeremy Kyle's style and, you know, I mean, Jeremy Kyle is quite a middle class individual as such, or at least he he is nowadays. 
um, and 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 you know he he speaks relatively well and things like this. And then the the kind of way um, that that he speaks to his guests who who usually aren't from um, such a privileged background, I, I think always kind of stinks of of, of a kind of uh, class snobbery. Um, having said that. I do have almost a, a soft spot for the Jeremy Kyle show in that, you know, as you say, we, we, we've watched it a lot growing up. When, when you're growing up, you don't see it as such a problem. You think, oh, I just laugh at these people, effectively. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and I think you don't almost understand that these are real people when, when you're younger. Uh, and, and as you said, there is the element of that these people are, unless they've been really living under a rock, I think you, you are aware of what the Jeremy Kyle show is like, what how Jeremy Kyle treats his guests as such, uh, and they, they go on it voluntarily still. I mean, obviously, with um, the tragic events that we've seen uh, recently, mm. um, I think it does call into question whether or not these these people can really make that decision for themselves entirely voluntarily to go on this show because obviously their mental health is fairly fragile. Yeah. Um, but, but by and large people are going on this show voluntarily and, and in, in reality TV in general, they're going on it, um, at their own accord as such. I, I mean, I think if we compare the Jeremy Kyle show specifically to something like Love Island, which is, again, it's a reality TV show where um, although it's probably a bit less confrontational in the same sense, um, the, the Love Island still does have that kind of, uh, let, let's laugh at these stupid people, effectively. Yeah. Um, but But to kind of take it very seriously, Love Island itself has had two of its guests um, commit suicide uh, shortly after they've been on Love Island. Uh, so that, that calls into question, I think, if ITV cares so much about making sure that their, their shows aren't uh, demonising vulnerable groups and aren't kind of damaging people's mental health, then why is the Jeremy Kyle show being cancelled, but Love Island is not. I mean, do, do you think there's any defence there for that, George? Um, I, I, honestly, when it when this news came out, I, I had a very similar thought, and I couldn't really make sense of it. Um, I don't know whether it's because ITV make more money from um, the uh, Love Island. Yeah, but, probably. I mean, that's probably what it is. Um, and because also what I couldn't make sense is that, yes, Jeremy Kyle, um, as we've just said, possibly does demonize the poor. We also have to actually pay focus to the the fact that the Jeremy Kyle show has actually helped a lot of people. He's he the, the program sets up um, re, rehabilitation for people, um, people that are alcoholics, people that are on drugs. They find family members for people um, on special editions of their programs. They've um, helped uh, awareness for mental health, for um, handicapped children, for yeah. I, I, and there are so many different levels of the Jeremy Kyle show. And I know there are a lot. There's a lot of the abusive behavior from Jeremy Kyle 
um, and so on and so forth. But there is there is also a lot of results. And sometimes that's the reason I used to watch it is because they had some lovely results where, you know, this guy hadn't seen his parents for years and they, they found them for him. Um, and I do yeah. think maybe that the, from what I always knew, the, the aftercare was quite good because, you know, Jeremy would always ask Graham to come on and talk to them about about the problems and, and, and the care that was going forward. Um, and, you know, they actually helped a lot of young kids out. But the, the parents were fighting and they've Jeremy Cole set up a plan to make sure that both parents could see the kid and, and, and that kid have both parents in their lives. And I think, unfortunately, that message or that um ability of the Jeremy Kyle show is being lost in all of the um criticisms that it's now getting um because it, it, I don't know and, and I just find it hard where we have a TV show that potentially helps people out is getting cancelled where a, a TV show like Love Island isn't and I and I personally think what they could have should have done is take Jeremy Kyle's show potentially off air, but say they're going to reform it and have it as like the show of helping people in terms of um, the way that it, it does for what I just said, but not have the abusive side to it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, um, a, a kind of would have almost been a better way uh, to have gone about this. I mean, do you think there's a the comparison to be made as well between the Jeremy Kyle show and, and kind of British um agony aunt type programs um and american um kind of um sister programs of this so the jerry springer show for example mm. in the states is a hell of a lot more confrontational than yeah. what jeremy kyle show is i mean do you think that we would ha- be having this discussion if it, if it was in the united states about jeremy kyle show do you think it would still be on air Oh, I, I absolutely think it would still be an error. I think, if anything, they would try and push it to get to get more viewers, um, because I, I think that is just the the way the culture of America is. Yeah. Um, and I think we are. I mean, I know it's a very bad way to describe it, but we are very British and quite. Um, uh, we like to hold our morals quite high. I like to think and by by having things like this happen we like to make sure we we stamp them out um but yeah no i totally i totally agree with you that if it was in america um it wouldn't go ahead at all um i I just said i totally agree with you but you didn't actually answer the question so i'm (laughs) i'm gonna ask you do you think it would have been taken off there if it was in america uh no i mean i I don't think so i mean i think yeah i mean as the example i gave with jerry springer show i mean in in comparison to what the jeremy kyle show was uh uh, you know, Jeremy Kyle show was far less confrontational to the point where they brought Jeremy Kyle to the States to be a slightly less antagonistic um, agony aunt show. Mm, mm. Um, just before we uh, go to this poll result, I mean, how do you think it's uh, going to go? Um, I think it's going to say, yes, it does demonize the poor. Um, but I don't think I think it will be about a fifty six percent yes. Okay. What about what about you? I think it's going to be a lot higher than that. So, so yes, I think seventy percent of people will say yes, it does uh, demonise the poor. Of course, we we won't. <laughs> this is a pre recording just before disclosure, so we won't actually <laughs> have to discuss that result. But just so you guys have got it on record uh, there. Right then, we've reached time to go to our second song break of this evening. But remember to vote on this poll. Does the Jeremy Kyle show demonise the poor? 
and you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So I kind of, I was just thinking actually, um, I think maybe uh, as it's a pre-record, we should have uh, done our, our our reactions to each percentage and then James could just drop the right one in. <laughs> well, well, we'll do that in a, in a minute after we've, after we've recorded this. All right, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we've got all day, so it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so our third discussion of this evening is, which of these current political party leaders has been the most influential? So the options for this poll are Nigel Farage, Theresa May, Vince Cable, Jeremy Corbyn, on Nicola Sturgeon. So from all of those options, I think it's fair to say that every one of those political leaders has been influential in their own little way, or sometimes big way. Um, but Callum, out of those names, and please don't say Vince Cable, who would you say has been the most influential? I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to say <laughs> Vince Cable, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're dead right, and that would be wrong of me to say. Um, <laughs> I think if we really get to the crux of it, Nigel Farage has been the most influential of those current political party leaders. Not during his time as Brexit party leader, although he may well end up being. We'll see how the European elections do go and the kind of aftermath of that. Um, but I think just in general, uh, Nigel Farage has, has been more influential. I think in a sense, he's been the most influential politician. Um, of the 21st century in the in the United Kingdom, um, because I think without Nigel Farage, does Brexit happen, or or, or does the the referendum happen at least? I, I think absolutely not. You know, I think it was his kind of brand of of what many would call charisma, <laughs> uh, and his kind of. I mean, he's a bit like Marmite, Nigel Farage, and you either love him or you hate him, but he got a lot of people to absolutely love him and idolise what he's done to the point that really he's, he's, he's dragged, uh, or he's pulled so many votes away from the Conservative Party at the moment in the European elections. I mean, we, we should say that I think the European elections are more of a, a protest vote, or at least that's what they're seen as in, in the United Kingdom, especially under the current circumstances. Um, but I think we can't downplay kind of how uh, significant a factor Farage is in that. Because if, if we compare it to, to UKIP now, who ha- who haven't got Farage as, as leader, and have got Gerard Batten, I think, yeah. um, they have been struggling in the polls for quite, quite a while. I mean, obviously they've gone quite far right now uh, but they've been struggling in the polls for quite a while especially since Farage left and then Farage starts up his own party and they're, they're on 15% in the polls I mean higher in the European election polls as well um, so you know I think we can't downplay uh, Nigel Farage's influence on British politics even if we don't necessarily like it I mean what do you think George? Yeah I think I think people were going to vote on this question in quite a a particular way, I, I feel that some people might vote on this um, in a way to 
to not actually vote for the most influential person because they might disagree with their influence upon yeah. politics. Um, and I do believe that would be a shame. But I, I do agree with you, Callum. I do think Mr. Farage is um, or has been the most successful and influential politician of the 21st century. Um, and I and I do think, you know, what what other politician has taken a party that, that no one heard of um, in about three months and it's already polling 30 percent in the European elections or 35 yeah. percent in the European elections? I mean, it's just it's it's scary. And he has a way of words and he has um, achieved many things, even if you don't agree with them, you can't deny that in his own self ambition, he has achieved a lot of his goals that he came in to do. Um, but I, I think as much as I would love to sit and talk about the success of, of, um, of Nigel Farage, um, I'm not going to, don't worry everyone. This isn't, the, this isn't the Nigel Farage show. Um, <laughs> it's, but, but, but also I think, I think we've got to have a look at all of these, all these party leaders. I, yeah. and, um, I, Callum, you're you're going to have to uh, do the one about Vince Cable because I've got a clue what he is. Apart from, I think he's only influenced to prove that the old people can work. I'm not sure. Um, uh, so, <laughs> Theresa May, I think she's been influential in terms that um, she's had a a very very hard job. Um, she's proved that she's not willing to step down um, just because people are pressurizing her to do so she's proved that she's ambitious that she that she's got a goal that she wants to achieve um and that she, you know in terms of policies that have been brought in under her government i think she has been quite influential on in the country i think they've been very good policies and i think they've done the country quite well um in terms of jeremy corbyn i mean uh it's very hard for me to say that he's been uh, influential but i can't deny that he hasn't because he has been very influential you know he's put the government he's put pressure on the government in certain areas um he's put pressure on um going incredibly far left he's put pressure on younger people to vote and and he's he's been able to be influential for younger people as well he's he's opened up politics for a lot of young people and to get involved in politics um and he's had some quite um out their ideas and some of them might be quite influential um but yeah i think to some jeremy corbyn is probably the most influential person i i personally think he's one of the most disastrous um leader of the oppositions we've ever had but that's just my own opinion um <laughs> and then we go to our delightful um scottish lady nicola sturgeon and she um well, I think we can definitely take the fact that Nicola Sturgeon has been influential in terms that she has uh, she got an independence vote for S Scotland. She lost um, and now she's trying to get it again. And I think a lot of people she helped the uprise of the Scottish National Party. She brought it to where it is today and she's still leading that forward. Um, and again, I think she influenced a lot of Scottish people, a, a lot of Scottish nationalists to get involved in politics. And I think um, I might disagree with their views, but I think that's a very good thing to get people involved in politics. But I've ranted on for about half an hour there, Callum. So please jump in. Yeah, I'll try and get a word in edgeways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, Nicola Sturgeon, just to slightly correct you, I think, I could be now be a complete idiot, but I think it was Alex Samuels who got the independence vote, not Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, uh, no, you're right, but I was just trying to make it look good. Yeah, oh yeah, you've got to try and bolster her cause. No, I mean, obviously for <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon, I think she's been very influential in making the, the first minister of Scotland a role that people yeah. actually 
care about, especially on an international stage. You know, I think she's very well respected. And I think um, the, the fact that um, you thought that she, she was the one that uh, got the independence vote does show how influential she's been in that she's almost become a, a synonym for Scotland, I think, Nicola oh, yeah. Sturgeon. Um, so I think yeah. she, she has been, you know, amazing. And I think she... Uh, and I... I I'm I'm fairly on the fence in terms of the the Scottish independence vote because I think it's it's a matter for the Scottish people to decide. Um, but I, I I think you can't deny kind of how um, important she has been to, in keeping the kind of flames of independence alive. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think I think she's uh, she's the Scottish version of Nigel Farage. Yeah, yeah. With uh, I mean a, a lot more likable for uh, for. Uh, liberals like me though I've got to say, <laughs> uh, George um, in terms of Jeremy Corbyn I think you're dead right as well I mean he's been very influential in his own way and I think out of other than Nigel Farage I think he's probably uh, been the most influential leader here because he he's dragged the, the Labour Party somewhere where the entire parliamentary party virtually didn't want to go which is very far left he's kind of reframed the political debate in this country uh, and I think, you know, questionable views aside, um, I think he's he's made it so that people have a real stake when they're voting now, um, because um, the trouble was under under Tony Blair and Gordon Brown uh, and with kind of David Cameron and the other Conservative Party leaders on the other side. It was kind of like a it was a big blur in, in terms of what what actually differentiated the parties then, because they were both quite centrist now, whereas. But because Jeremy Corbyn's pulled his party much further left, I think it does give voters more of a genuine choice. Um, mm. But what that's also led to is kind of smaller parties now uh, rising up too, where where people uh, kind of care much more about uh, voting on particular issues like climate change, for example. Um, a lot of people now are voting for the Green Party because of that. Uh, to the to the tougher job of selling uh, Vince Cable, uh, <laughs> I think if we if we look at him um, aside from his role as a, a party leader, um, I think if we look at him when he was the uh, Lib Dem spokesperson for the economy, um, he wrote uh, a book called The Storm, which actually uh, was one of the kind of only economic and political pundits that was that called for the fact that. Uh, we needed greater regulation of the financial industry and that we were kind of building up headwinds towards the storm that eventually came in, in the recession. So I think in, in terms of his economic contribution, Vince Cable has been stellar. And also, if you look at him as a party leader, the Liberal Democrats have had their uh, best local election results recently since uh, records began. Um, so... Would you, say that, that. would you say that's down to him, or do you think that's more the influence of where the Lib Dems stand on Brexit? Um, I mean, I, I, I'd say that he he's helped, or, or rather, he's not hindered the cause like what Tim Farron ended up doing. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't overplay Vince's contribution. I think it was our position more than our leader. Mm. Um, but he's never created the kind of negative publicity, which we see with all of the party leaders, really. Um, Vince Cable, other than 
obviously with going into coalition and things like that, the baggage he already had. I don't think he's got, he's really put much foot, much of a foot wrong since he's become party leader. Okay, yeah. he's not been greatly dynamic, um, but he, he's been a kind of steady Eddie in a time when uh, Theresa May's been ruddy awful and Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn's been ruddy awful. So, <laughs> and just to bring in in terms of Theresa May, uh, I think her and Nicola Sturgeon have also shown to a lot of uh, young women Absolutely. the fact that women can be in politics yeah. and they can hold their own and they can be both left-wing and right-wing. So we should commend that from, from both of them. Well, thank you very much for that steady Eddie speech there, Callum. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to use that, that little saying for forever now. It's a nice little saying that. Um <laughs> Sorry, I just can't get over you said it. Um, right, so let's move on uh, to our next song break. I remember we want you to vote on this question. Um, which of these current political party leaders has been the most influential? And remember, the options are Nigel Farage, Theresa May, Vince Cable, Jeremy Corbyn or Nicholas Sturgeon. Uh, we'll be back very soon. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. So, as a pre-record, um, we can I can cheat a little bit because I ruined the script and I can't read properly. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I forgot to ask Callum a question. Callum, who do you think is going to be on top? Uh, I mean, just to say, I mean, you can't read properly. That's probably why you vote Conservative, isn't it, Jeff? <laughs> I have you know that Conservative uh, voters are very well educated. <laughs> uh, I think that... I reckon Jeremy Corbyn might come out on top. I still stand by Nigel Farage should. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I unfortunately agree with you. It would be nice to see Farage up there. Who do you think will be last? Um, Vince K. Uh, maybe Theresa May, actually. Theresa May, I'll go with. All right, you, what about you? Yeah, Vince Cable. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, actually, I suppose I, I'm going to go with Vince Cable. Actually, hedge my bets. Uh, yeah. As Theresa May has been Prime Minister, I suppose she's been fairly influential. Time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening, and we are asking which of these messaging applications do you primarily use? So the options for this one are Messenger, WhatsApp, or other. Uh, I'm not going to blabber on with some kind of introduction. So, George, which of these messaging applications do you use? I mean, I'm just going to let everyone know into a little secret. The reason Callum's not going to do instruction is because he hasn't written one. Um, <laughs> I uh, I use um, mostly, oh, probably Messenger, really. I I do like using. I use WhatsApp when I'm at work. Um, yeah. I mean, not that I use my phone. When I'm at work. Promise. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, I, WhatsApp. You can also get on your computer, and it's an easy way to talk to people because um, it's just you know it's just there. Yeah. Um, but Messenger, I, I talk to a lot of my friends on Messenger. Um, I, I don't know why. It's just an easy application to use. I think it's 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 well formatted, um, and it's it's you, you can do all kinds of things on there. Um, I mean, the other category. I mean, that's everything probably from Snapchat to text messaging to iMessage to Twitter yeah. direct message to whatever. Um, and I just don't think you really use him. I mean, I hardly ever text anyone anymore. I hardly ever use Snapchat anymore. Um, I mean, just to 
do that thing where you can turn yourself into a girl. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have admitted that. Um, and yeah, no. So I, for me, I'm going to stand here and back Messenger. Okay, fair enough. For you. Um, I think I, I, I probably do use Messenger more than any of the other applications as such, at least the messaging ones. Um, however, I'd say that that has become, that lead has become far uh, less of a, of a large lead. Um, WhatsApp, as you say, you can, you can use it on your, um, on your computer when you're at work and it doesn't come up with the entire timeline like what Facebook does. So it's, it's, superior in that sense i think i mean i think messenger obviously the functionality of messenger is is amazing i mean you can send payments now you can play games you can uh take pictures with augmented reality on there as well um so i mean really messenger competes with virtually all of the other social networks i mean in terms of the other um i don't in terms of a primary messaging application i think the only really comparison would be texting yeah. And um, I think it's called WeChat or something like that, which is is very popular in in China. Yeah. Um. However, I, I mean, I, I I as you say, George. I mean, I very very rarely text now. It's only someone that I haven't got as a friend on Facebook, really. Oh, uh, that's that I would text. Nice, yeah, I know, I know. But sometimes you've just got to you've got to decline these invites. I mean, well, do, do you find, George, that you get uh, an awful lot of uh, random friend requests from conservatives that you've never met? Because I'm always getting added by Lib Dems that I never met. And I did used to accept them, but I, I now reject them. Because it is, it's just like, I, yes, we're, um, yes, we're part of the same political party, but I don't know you. I mean, it, it'll be like a, a Villa fan adding me because we both support Villa. I mean, I'll follow them on Twitter, that's fine, but I feel like Facebook's a different thing. I mean, what do you think, George? Yeah, no, I I, I don't have that at all, really. I think conservatives, believe it or not, are quite conservative. So um, we don't we don't really do things like that. We're not, you know, a bit bit doodally. Um, but <laughs> you know what, do you know what I was thinking, actually? If we, yeah. had, if we had done this radio show about, God, about 10 years ago, we'd be talking about BBM. Yeah, well, yeah, and he's lost you know, even figure. I didn't even think about BBM. Yeah, BBM used to be a massive thing on on the old BlackBerry, and then and then I think what was it? Was it Kick that came in? Um, and then I, don't know. And then, I was never down with the kids, George. Yeah, yeah, we know. Um, and then uh, Apple tried to buy the BBM format, and it was yeah. absolutely awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously there uh, there is like um, FaceTime and iMessage, isn't there? Which obviously a lot uh, of people who have iPhones do use. I use still. iMessage. Yeah. Yeah, but so, I mean, so, I, I don't use FaceTime because you know I don't let people see my amazing face. That's that's only for uh, for special privileged people. Yeah, they should be very thankful they don't have to see. You. <laughs> Sometimes when you when you Skype me, I don't like it one bit, George. Well, you don't never you never see my my face when we Skype. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I only see about a corner of it. I mean, George when he takes a <laughs> selfie, you only see a corner of his face. <laughs> right then, we've reached the time to answer our final subject of this evening. But don't forget to vote. On this poll, which of these messaging applications do you primarily use? And the options are Messenger, WhatsApp, or other. And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back in a jiffy.
Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed with Cuff and Gurr. Before the break, we ask which of these messaging applications do you primarily use uh, between Messenger, WhatsApp and other? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page, that's at WizRadio. Right then, we've reached a time to end this evening's show, so thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cuff and Gurr. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and George's rambling. Um, that's why people tune in Callum of course Uh, of course as as mentioned earlier for the first segment of next week's show we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question do you think your future opportunities will be better than your parents and you can do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through twitter that's at wizradio so remember that question is do you think your future opportunities will be better than your parents and we are really looking forward to hearing what um, you think about that question but for now it is time for Callum and I to be leaving so as always I have been steady Eddie George Lawrence <laughs> and I've been steadier Eddie Callum Gurr uh, it's Rude. now uh, time to head over to a song break thanks very much for listening everyone we'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed goodbye guys now for now Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.